And now I'd like to introduce for our legal symposium, Jennifer Lester, who is a practicing attorney in Maryland with 17 years experience in domestic relations law and with a particular focus on custody cases. She also does broader civil litigation, but she has a lot of expertise to bring to us in understanding the impact of the COVID mandates when parents are divided about vaccinating children. So Warner, I'll let you take it forward with our domestic relations attorney. Thank you very much, Dr. Bleak. Jennifer, it's so great to see you. I know that this crisis, it's just affected every aspect of our society and in a particularly rough place for this to come up is between an ex-husband and an ex-wife, for example. And the children are caught right in the middle of that. Unfortunately, even among still married couples, sometimes there's a difference of opinion about the shot, whether the children should get it. I think that you and I are both aware that children really are not at risk from COVID-19, the illness, and there's really not any reason for this, but we still have right now, 15% of parents are choosing to get their children vaccinated. I know that's causing conflict in the domestic relations arena. So could you share with us what kinds of things you're seeing? Yes, thank you very much, Warner. Nice to see you. The COVID vaccine debate even exists among married couples with children. And I'm seeing it come up in my practice with divorced parents or parents who maybe have never been married and have some kind of existing custody order or no custody order. One of the things I'm seeing is because the COVID vaccine is not yet on the childhood vaccination schedule for mandatory for school enrollment in any of the states. I believe it's pending in New York and California at the moment, but because the vaccine was just recently given approval for children five and up, they haven't placed this vaccine as a necessary vaccine for school enrollment. However, there is a particular school in Maryland that I've dealt with that has mandated the vaccination for children first 16 and up and now 12 and up. And I don't believe there's any other a private school in Maryland that's mandated the vaccine for children for school enrollment, although a lot of schools do mandate this vaccine for sports programs. One thing that comes up is if parents have a joint legal custody arrangement, either through a court order or just by virtue that there, there is no existing court order, if parents don't have an existing court order or agreement, then both parents are well within their constitutional rights to make decisions, legal custody decisions for their children. And vaccination would fall within the scope of those legal custody issues. When you have a parent that doesn't want the child vaccinated and one that does, you do run into a problem. Now, what I've seen in my state of Maryland is, like I said, this vaccine is not mandated for school enrollment. However, it is mandated for some upper level sports programs. Historically in Maryland, if you have parents that have a dispute over vaccination, the court is most frequently going to side with the parent who wants to have the children vaccinated. And that's because the courts give very much deference to what the CDC recommends. And if that vaccine is on that schedule for recommended vaccinations for children for school enrollment, 
then it's very difficult to overcome that standard. And so a parent really needs to be prepared to go into court with expert witnesses that are going to support their decision not to vaccinate their child with the COVID vaccine. Yeah, one of the strategies that I wonder about, I I know that I think 70% of the population is allergic to the, what is it, polyethylene, the PEG in the shot. So one of the possibilities would be to have your child tested. There's Right there, there's a likelihood of, of allergy. What do you think about that? And what are your strategies in terms of your experts that you're bringing to bear in your cases? Yeah, that's a really good point. There's often a medical exemption that parents can get. And one avenue would be having the child tested for allergies related to the ingredients in the vaccinations. What I've seen, unfortunately, is it's hard sometimes to find a doctor who's going to help you with a medical exemption. Now, there's also the religious exemption. And in Maryland, we do have a religious exemption for childhood vaccinations. So a parent who is opposed can always argue that this is something that's against our religion, even if it's one parent and they can file for a religious exemption with the school. What I've focused on or had the expert focus on is the vaccines that are on the CDC schedule for school enrollment. Those vaccines are very different type of vaccination than we have now with the COVID vaccine. And so the court cannot take judicial notice that these vaccines are safe and effective for children when these vaccines are totally different from what the court has historically looked at as an actual safe and effective vaccine. And that's why I think you want to bring in a really good expert to talk about not just the allergies that your child could have to these ingredients, but just also how this is a different technology. This is an mRNA technology vaccine. It's not the same kind of vaccine that your typical childhood vaccines that you have to have for school enrollment are. And so that is a very big difference. We don't have safety data to rely on. In fact, the data that we have is coming out is that the vaccines are not particularly safe or effective for children. And in the the whole reason for our vaccine injury courts is that vaccination itself, even what we termed traditionally vaccination is so inherently dangerous that we have to have this alternative remedy. You can't go to the regular court for damages. And then this this shot takes it to a whole other level, as we've seen in VAERS. There are so many thousands and thousands of reports now of reactions. What we have found in our other litigation, non-domestic relations litigation, is that the courts are really confused about this approval that Comirnaty had. I may not be saying that word right, but we're confused about whether or not this is an approved shot. And how have you dealt with that? Or have you had that issue come up in court? I had that issue, but for custody, it's never a black and white issue. It's very fact dependent on each particular case. And the court looks at so many factors. In Maryland, we have approximately 17 different factors a court is going to look at for determining what is in a child's best interest. And in terms of getting a court to understand the particulars of the vaccine, 
while I've had that argument within my own case, the court didn't really focus on that issue. In my case, they skirted around the vaccine issue. And I'll bring up a case in New Jersey that was recently decided on the vaccination issue for COVID vaccine, but mom had primary residential custody of the children. So they both presented experts. They had a five-day merits trial which was spread out over four or five months, and it was in Morris County, New Jersey. And in this case, the judge finally ruled that mom would have the final decision-making over this issue of the COVID vaccine only because the children resided primarily with mom. And that was the only reason. And it had nothing to do with the safety or any of the science around the vaccine. It merely came down to mom's with the kids most of the time. So we're going to let her make the decision. But in the meantime, the problem is once you get a decision, if you don't get that decision stayed, the other parent may rush out and get the shots for their kids, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. So, you know, if If I was in court on that scenario or any other lawyer, I would suggest that if you're in a situation where you get a decision that the judge has ruled that the parent that believes in the vaccine wants to get the kids vaccinated, gets to decide, immediately file for an emergency hearing, file for an injunction, and try to get back in court, file your appeal right away, let the court know that you're appealing the decision and that you want to go in there immediately to stay anything happening with the children and the decision-making over the vaccine until the final full appeals can be heard. Because the ramifications, of course, of having your child vaccinated, it can't be undone. Well, yes, it's irreversible. And apparently it's causing genetic changes in in the people who are taking the shot. Do you know how the courts have responded when someone's come in under a temporary restraining order or other kind of injunction, emergency injunction? I have not heard of that happening yet, actually. There was a case early in the COVID, after the vaccines were rolled out, I think last spring, and a parent did not want to get vaccinated. And the other parent filed, you might have heard about this case, for a TRO to stop visitation. In any event, the judge did stop visits for a while in that case because everybody was still in the throes of the early stages of the pandemic and very concerned about safety. And that decision was undone uh, on appeal. But I have not heard of any case where someone's filed for an injunction when one parent has been given the right to vaccinate the child with the COVID shot. I think that that hasn't yet happened as far as I'm aware. In, in Maryland, do you have the parenting coordinators or any kind of mediation process between the parents? We do. Generally, in, in Maryland, whenever parties go in on domestic relations issues, they are typically ordered to mediation, except if there's been cases of domestic violence in the past. But typically, all families go through mediation and I am not aware of a successful mediation on this issue. Although I think parents can certainly reach agreements on this difficult decision and they reach agreements on all kinds of decisions. I think the strongest argument any parent would have is 
children are at essentially zero risk from death or serious illness from contracting COVID. And so why on earth would take a chance of myocarditis or some of these other side effects that are very dangerous when <laughs> there's almost zero risk of death or serious injury from having the virus? I would think logic would work, but somehow it just doesn't. Sometimes even the judges and certainly the other parent may be completely locked in to this ideology that the shots have some benefit to children. I'm not quite sure how to break through that. Did you use experts to try to break through to the judge and to the court about the lack of any need for this shot with children? Yes. In the case that I've had, I had experts prepare opinions about why the vaccine is not necessary, and certainly when you weigh it against the dangers. And interestingly, in the case I had, the parent that supported the vaccine their own witnesses even said at the end of the day, it's really up to the parent because <laughs> it's not mandated for school enrollment and it's really up to the parents. <laughs> so. I know of a situation where a parent, the pediatrician and the father were interested in the shot. And I know of a situation where the parent actually wrote to the pediatrician and said, okay, there's all these dangers and side effects. And basically saying, are you going to take full responsibility for any impact on my children for the shot? And that did end the relationship between the pediatrician and those parents. But we have seen some involvement of parenting coordinators that unfortunately, they've drunk the Kool-Aid on this, that think that all vaccines are good Right. And the COVID vaccines like any other vaccine and should be taken by these children. And I just find it so hard to break through that mindset. Who did you use as experts in your case? Can you tell us? One expert that I actually use does work with the Truth for Health Foundation, and that was Dr. Robles. This was her argument to the court, actually, which I thought was brilliant, is that the CDC changed the very definition of vaccines and what was it, August or September of 2021. So you can't rely on prior case law, which supports the parent who's, who is in favor of vaccinating children with the CDC schedule when they've changed the very definition. So that should change the case law going forward. I think that's an excellent point. And the parenting agreements have written in usually a vaccine you know, how vaccines will be handled. But when those were written may have been before the change in the definition. So that parenting agreement was written with a different definition at its base. So maybe that's something that, that as lawyers, we ought to make sure that we bring before the court's attention. May I add a medical point to that? FDA's definition of gene therapy agent is applicable for these COVID shots. So they are not traditional vaccines, regardless of whether the CDC changed it, they still fall under the FDA category of gene therapy agents that normally require five to 15 years of safety trials and clinical data prior to being released to the public. So I would think that there are legal grounds that under the Americans with Disability Act and other potential legal areas that the two attorneys know, that you could argue the point in the custody cases that 
you can't administer an experimental agent that is altering the child's genome because there is very strong data to show that is exactly what is happening. That was by design and it's causing permanent damage to the ovaries and testicles, which impairs future fertility. And that may also be something to look at under the Americans with Disability Act. So I just wanted to add those points to what you were saying. Dr. Vleet, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm sure that domestic relations lawyers are going to need expertise on these issues. Is the Truth for Health Foundation an appropriate place for a domestic relations attorney to reach out if they have a particular need in a particular case? Most definitely. We have a number of experts who have already been doing exactly that in custody cases. Dr. Jancy Lindsay is an, a nationally and internationally known molecular biologist, toxicologist on our advisory council. She is doing these expert opinion evaluations. I actually involved her with one of my patients in Arizona who was in a battle to save his children who were adolescents and it would have devastating effects for the boy and the girl. And we helped provide all of the experts for his court case. Dr. Villarreal is a pediatrician in Texas who has been advising many parents. Dr. Monique Robles is uniquely trained because she is a pediatric intensive care specialist who actually has treated children with myocarditis damage from the shots. And she is also a master's level bioethicist. So she brings a unique perspective to this. And then we have Dr. Mike Eden, who also has done a lot of expert opinions in court cases. He's the chief scientific advisor and was an early Pfizer whistleblower about the dangers of the COVID shots to the reproductive organs in both men and women. So we have a number of both scientists and physicians who can assist in these cases. This is just a really important battle to have in these domestic relations courts. I know, I think sometimes, Jennifer, it's overlooked, but we have these core societal issues that are being battled out every day in those courts, and we need to pay attention to it. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for the opportunity to help spread the word that parents really should research these new vaccines that are coming out and what it means when you inject your children with an experimental product. And to add to that, Jennifer, what we have been concerned about as physicians that the lawyers need to understand is that this spring in 2022, the FDA announced that it would not be requiring the pharmaceutical companies manufacturing vaccines, any of them, to disclose new ingredients, new changes, or provide additional clinical data if they make modifications in existing vaccines. So that's, that is raising a very serious concern if the FDA has suddenly decided unilaterally to ignore its role in safety oversight and marketing 
the patient information fact sheets that goes in the shops, if they are not going to be requiring the manufacturers to disclose new ingredients, we don't have a good way to know what they're putting in them. Yeah, that's astonishing, really. And also, I think it's important for parents to understand that the COVID vaccine is not on the schedule for mandated vaccines for school enrollment in any state right now. I think it's pending, right, in California and New York. So it's very important for parents to try to be very proactive in the legislative process and try to prevent those vaccines from making their way onto the schedule in their respective states. That, that will help very much with litigating these cases if those vaccines are not mandated for school enrollment. Yeah, one of the things that I've seen as well is there's so many other vaccines out there and there's battles over vaccines like HPV, which aren't necessarily on the schedule. One parent will want their kids to get the HPV vaccine. And I think this whole crisis, if there's a good uh, a silver lining to it, is parents are much more aware of the general dangers of vaccination and what it's doing to us. Even traditional vaccination has lots of issues. And I think parents are waking up to that as we go. So there's a real change. And I think, Jennifer, you're exactly right. We've got to pay attention to that schedule that our state legislatures vote on. In Ohio, it's very specific as to what is mandated and what is not. Ohio does have exemptions for conscience and religion that are very broad. So we're one of the good states in that sense. But we're going to have to fight for that, too. There has not been a recent case on the right to conscience or religious objection. The last major case on that was in the 1960s in Ohio. So that's going to come to fore here, I think, very quickly, given the way that our institutions are behaving. I agree. I agree with you. Thank you both. This has been a very informative session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bleak.